Good doomsday, guys. This is Isaac Ratwood again, obviously. How are you all feeling? I hope the last week or so has gone well for you. I hope you still have toenails and almost nothing has been biting you while you sleep. What an interesting week I've had. A, a really fascinating week. I haven't had a spiritual experience like all this since my uh, grandpa Albert threw me into Lake Harriet and said, there, he's baptized, let's eat. And that was a long, long time ago. Come to think of it, Grandpa Albert would have loved this whole post-apocalypse thing. He was a jokester, that guy. And he was my mom's dad. My father's dad, and my father, for the record, died long before I was born. One time, Grandpa Albert left a dead squirrel in my sleeping bag when we were out camping together. I'm sure you can imagine how disconcerting it is to feel something wet, bony, and hairy on your bare leg right before bed. I mean, you probably had a similar experience lately. I know I have. And uh, I'm glad Grandpa Albert toughened me up for that sort of thing. He could hunt, fish, ski, canoe, build a tent, make a fire, tie some really terrifying knots, and use the taste of deer pellets to determine whether or not there was a pregnant doe around. A real Grizzly Adams type. If there's one thing he taught me, though, it's absolutely none of those survival skills. I don't think I paid attention even one time, and I, I, I really should've. He used to say, come over here and learn something a second, Isaac. You never know when you're gonna need to turn a dead possum into a flare gun. And <laughs> man, was he right. I've still never needed to do that, but you sure never know when you might have to. Grandpa Albert, I wish you were here. You would have taken to the post-apocalypse like a Martian eel to electrified sewage. Post-apocalypse, by the way, is a term I have a little trouble with. I've been considering it a lot lately. These are the things I think about when I'm trying to sleep, but I can hear the reptilian shapeshifters cackling off in the distant dark. Here's my problem. Post-apocalypse implies a time period following an apocalyptic event. But while it's easy to pinpoint when an apocalypse begins, when does the apocalypse end? Am I currently living in or after the apocalypse? And how much does that matter? Is there going to be a point when the sun comes back and all the strange roving evils disappear? Probably. But even if there is, will I live long enough to see it? It's kind of a tree-falls-in-the-forest problem, really. Also, the whole concept of an apocalypse is really an outdated and kind of offensive thing. Sure, if you're living in a relatively decent time period, like pre-2019 America, you might think your existence is pre-apocalypse. You got HBO Go and McGriddles and shoes designed by rap artists. And then the so-called apocalypse happens and kills all the McGriddle chefs and rappers and everyone else, and then you have to keep on keeping on. But is that so bad? What I mean to say is, the very idea of an apocalypse is a value judgment. Implicitly stating that your time period is good and decent and uh, worth living. And that the leftover bit after things go sideways is bad and hard and frankly, not worthy of you. I think this period of time, whatever you want to call it, isn't that bad. It's just different. It's like in the Dark Ages with the Black Plague and the Dancing Bears and 
the knights on horseback, did those people think they were living in the Dark Ages? Or did they just deal with the bedbugs and rampant body acne like everything was fine? My guess is that they enjoyed themselves as best they could and probably thought, man, I'm glad I'm not dead. And so am I. I'm glad I'm not dead. I'm glad we all get to live through this interesting time. I mean, it's, it's better than when Trump was in office. Things are confusing and backwards sometimes, and, and you know, when you least expect it, also forwards. But that's life. This is life. This is my life, and I'm happy to have it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm happy to have it. But anyway, what I want to really talk about is this whole spiritual experience I'm having. I'm finally in Oklahoma. Ponca City, to be exact. And on my way in, I encountered an incredible structure. The kind of thing I've never seen before. And when I tell you I've really seen quite a few strange things over the last thousand miles of traveling through what used to be the American heartland, I'm sure you believe me. But this was a new one. It used to be an old Walmart, or maybe a, a super Walmart. One of the really massive ones with an automotive center and a grocery store and everything. To look at the whole thing now, though, you would barely know it was any kind of Walmart. From the road, the thing glows so bright you can see it from at least a mile away. It's really the only thing lit up anywhere around. The old Walmart is covered in neon signs in every possible color that have been collected from bars and restaurants from, I guess, all across the land. From afar, it was, it was pretty incredible. Up close, it looks like a fanatical TGI Fridays bartender lost his mind and redecorated the place, but you know, I couldn't resist going inside and seeing what was up. Everything in there, the shelves, the registers, the carts, the food, you know, anything that they were selling had, had been completely removed, so the, the whole Walmart felt like a grand hall. Rows and rows of church pews gathered from what must have been like 10 or 20 churches have like now filled the entire space. When I walked in, I was struck with a kind of awe at the place. There was something otherworldly about it. Something familiar yet kind of cosmically powerful. It was as if I was in a Walmart that had been converted into a church, uh, which I was. A woman wearing velvet robes jogged down the aisle toward me, which took a while since it was, it's a, it's a very long aisle and, and she's a pretty short, slow woman. Sweet though, I, I really liked her like immediately. Her name is Preacher Garcante and she's been letting me hang out in her church the last few days. It's been nice. The first thing I wanted to know when I met her was how exactly she's been able to power the neon signs without any generators and with the power grid obviously being down. She told me that the entire thing is powered completely by faith. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. That's a lot of energy, you know, even, even for faith. But I swear, those signs glow brighter than any neon I've ever seen before. And if not faith, I don't have any idea what could be causing it. I looked too all over the place during one of Preacher Garcante's long meditations. Her meditations last hours. Hours and hours of chanting and moaning and 
while she hangs upside down above an old reading chair near the front of the church. Now, Preacher Grisante is one of the first women I've seen in months, but she's so enigmatic that I hardly think of her as a human at all. She transcends humanity, really, in, in quite a few fundamental ways, which, you know, are a little strange. You know, first, she looks like a spider, or at least a spider wearing a human costume. I know commenting on appearance is a super vain way to approach things, but the reason I bring it up is there's a small chance Preacher Garcante might actually be a spider in a human costume. Let's say a five to like, you know, 85% chance. In addition to that little weird detail, she has a, an air of serenity about her that is completely intoxicating. It's as if she exists on a plane kind of unto herself. A world of higher knowing the rest of us can only dream of. Really, it's very impressive, and I'm very taken with her. Like, I've never been even kind of a religious person. I've been grasping for higher meaning and purpose my whole life before the fall of humanity, and I guess I'd come up with empty hands time and time again. But, you know, add to all that the fact that None of the world's major religions in any way calculated or explained the occurrences of the actual apocalypse itself, and you've got a winning combination that could make you an atheist for life. There's just something, though, about Preacher Garcante that really sucked me in as soon as I met her. One thing is that I really agree with her politics. I mean, if you were mad at the patriarchy when civilization was still going on, You've got ample cause to be infuriated by the way the patriarchy handled everything at the end. I remember when the news channels that were still broadcasting showed the video of all those secret space yachts blasting off from the Denver airport. All those terrible rich men fled as soon as things started to get a little dicey. And they didn't even bring women. Not even their wives, as I'm sure you know. I mean... Sure, sex robots have a certain appeal if you're a if you're a megalomaniacal sociopath, and I guess their sex robots were advanced enough to handle the act of procreation indefinitely, but still. It's not like I was surprised when they abandoned us all. I just wish they would have done absolutely anything to mobilize first responders or even the military before they took off. I mean, when they were launching those rockets, most people still thought that terrible things happening were an elaborate April Fool's joke from Google. Anyway, I, I, I hope all those guys died on the way to Mars. And if they didn't, I hope some really terrible Martian Ebola decimated their entire population or something. But that's enough negativity for now. I shouldn't be talking about such terrible things in such an allegedly holy place. I was trying to explain Preacher Garcante's gospel, which pretty much amounts to it being time for the rise of women to power on earth. The world has effectively been cleansed of the evil of men, though there's obviously still, like, a ton more evil present. But Preacher Garcante preaches that it's time for women to come together, united under the Lord and Savior Christina, and bring the world into a prosperous and fertile age. I think it's a great idea. I've always thought women had things figured out a lot more than men. So far, Preacher Grisante's only problem is that she hasn't seen a single woman in the area, and if there have been any, none of them have stopped in for a visit like I did. If they had, I'm sure they'd be 
as taken with the whole gospel as I've been. There are other benefits to hanging out around here as well, beyond just, you know, the simple preachings, one of which is that uh, Preacher Grisante still conducts a ritual similar to the whole Body of Christ thing that the Catholics used to be into, except she uses Lay's potato chips, and you can have as many of them as you want, since she has so few parishioners. I swear, one more week here, and I'm going to gain 15 pounds on the salty, addicting taste of the Body of Christina, as she calls them. I used to prefer ruffles, actually, but these are fine in the time being. Right now, as I talk to you all, Preacher Garcante is up at the front of the church, hanging upside down above her chair. There are lots of interesting ornaments that hang up there around her. All of them are roughly human in size and a shiny gray color as if they've been covered in some kind of silky thread. It's a very striking sight. I figure I'll head out of here soon, since I'm definitely not welcome to join Preacher Garcante's religion. She hasn't precisely said that I'm not allowed, but I've been getting the impression that she's just lonely here, and that's the only reason why she's letting me stay. I can't really think of another viable reason that she would let me hang around and get fat on chips all week. Except, I don't know. You know, now that I'm thinking aloud about the whole thing, it's almost a little weird that she's been so nice to me given how often she talks about men being evil, vile creatures whose only real purpose is to be devoured by women. She always stresses that the devouring she's talking about is meant to be entirely metaphorical. But I figure I might as well get going uh, before it stops being metaphorical, you know? I should get off this radio and get my things collected before she stops meditating. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. Oh, oh. oh man, it's, it's hard to stand. I bet after all the weight I've put on, I probably couldn't even run if I wanted to. Even just talking this much is tiring me out. Well, I, I guess I'll speak to you all again later. I'm going to miss this weird place, and I hope Preacher Garcante has a, a lot of luck with her religion. If you're a woman, and you're happening through Oklahoma, shout out to my new friend Tia. Uh, if you're out there and, and can hear me, I'd say it's, uh, it's probably worth a visit here. If you're a man, though, I don't know. Regardless, I hope you're all doing well and that nothing crawls in your nose and lays eggs in your sinuses tonight. I'll talk to you all later. Tomorrow's another doomsday. Sleep tight. Doomsday by Day is written and performed by Zach Carlstrom with production and sound design by Lindsay St. Clair. It's a lonely world and we're all looking for a wink in the void. So subscribe to Doomsday by Day. You probably won't be disappointed.